how does it feel? So if you if you know uh, when you put the hand in the air, is it something like a vibration or is it something like a tickling uh, feeling? What is it like? Midair texture in the air, where can it be used? We uh, got very good contact uh, with that brand and uh, they wanted uh, to talk to us immediately. Spreading the, the fragrance of this brand in front of camera, explaining how the haptics can help to, to make this experience uh, even uh, cooler and really wow, wow, wow for, for their customers. Welcome to People Tech and Other Weirdness, the not-so-serious soft serve podcast. Here we collect stories from our people about their roles and rules, game-changing decisions, wins, walls and falls. You'll hear about technologies from those who create them. Let's see who we have on today. All right. Hi, everyone. This is podcast People Tech and Weirdness from SoftServe. And I'm your host for today, Andrei Gorbenko. I'm a marketing lead in R&D department of uh, SoftServe. And I have an honor today to talk to a very special guest of mine. Please welcome Anya Shermetiva, a product owner of eTextures. Hi, everyone. And thank you, Andrei, uh, for inviting me for the, for, to this uh, super cozy uh, and atmospheric uh, recording studio. Yeah, it's actually absolutely it's fantastic to be here. So many colorful lights, so great uh, environment here talking to you today. Um, okay, so please tell me more about who you are, what are you doing in R&D, what's your experience so far, and what projects are you involved in? Uh, thank you for your question. So maybe uh, I will start uh, from uh, from the very beginning where all this started. Yeah. So um, actually, uh, in my career, did uh, a lot of transitions. Uh, I started my career uh, in a very good organization, actually a bank, uh, as a business process auditor, and uh, our department was tasked uh, to review and optimize the banks, business processes. And, uh, you know, this optimization is oftentimes um, related to automation. And um, basically, I was doing the requirements uh, for our IT department, and so they will be able to implement those requirements and automate, improve some processes. And it was a First time when I got those touch points to IT world, uh, I met those a um, uh, little bit weird and strange guys, but uh, they were super smart um, and um, they opened up uh, for me this world of technologies and I was fascinated by the power of the technologies. And so... Um, I thought, okay, maybe I want to go to a flip side and uh, actually to do uh, IT magic. So um, that's what I did, actually. And also I thought uh, maybe uh, among those, uh, you know, IT guys, I can find a, a husband because that times I was uh, single and uh, actually... That was a good place to hunt for a smart husband. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, so uh, of course that wasn't the, the main reason for, for a transition into IT companies, but uh, eventually I got the one smart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so 
The task was uh, then to uh, to become an IT business analyst, and uh, I had to do a lot of work, you know, to make a transition from a business process auditor into uh, IT business analyst. I had to learn a lot uh, those different. Uh, stuff like types of requirements, functional, business, etc. XML, UML, uh, right. SQL, all, all those weird words. Right. Uh, but it uh, did paid off. I am very glad to that I made that transition. And since then, that's already almost ten years. Uh, I'm in this uh, field, and uh, I was working for uh, many many different companies as a as a business analyst first and then I made a classical product manager career I made a transition from a business analyst to product owner and then to product manager and um, while all this uh, journey you know I worked for different types of uh, projects or industries uh, from banking to healthcare to retail to e-commerce to travel uh, etc so and while building the solutions for those industries i also get a touch point to advanced technologies and uh, we did the projects with face recognition with machine learning with um, natural language processing with image recognition and it was the point you know when i realized okay that's what i like that's what i love so that's when this uh, you know um, magic happened in my mind and uh, i realized okay i want to go this way so i started another round of uh, training and learning for myself and uh, i started learning python for instance to understand a little bit more oh, wow. about the programming stuff uh, machine learning algorithm because i was really into into that world and this is how i basically land in r&d so uh, softserve actually is the first company when I, uh, where I did R&D and uh, I'm super happy that I got this chance uh, because now I'm doing super exciting things. For instance, right. I have different, uh, different projects in my portfolio. The main one is uh, we are going to talk uh, a lot um, about today, uh, e-textures. Another is um, 3D body scanning and robotics. That's a, a brand new research program in our department and I hope that it will be approved for for uh, research this year and so uh, this is this is the way to, to this point right. where I am now, where I am now <laughs> yeah I believe being a product owner is a big responsibility at, at least and uh, but it's quite exciting to have something tangible technical that you drive forward that you develop that you bring to the future and so on and I believe one of the I think for me myself is one of the most fascinating roles in the company in technological company to drive a product forward to understand how you develop its features the the product map the roadmap and how it develops so you mentioned this e-textures project you mentioned its haptics projects can you like give me an overview what is it about where did it all start and 
basically, as I remember, it was your first project in SoftServe as it is. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for for this uh, wrap up. So maybe let's talk about haptics first. What is haptics? Because I'm not sure that um, our audience uh, knows what is that. Yeah. So basically, haptics that's a class of technologies that uh, gives the user the illusion of touching or manipulating some physical objects uh, by adding a sense of touch to a virtual environment. Mm -hmm. So that's the definition, right? And uh, in our real day-to-day uh, -day life, we, we, we actually like interact with with haptic technologies uh, take your mobile phone so every time you feel the response from the button on your uh, mobile phone that's the haptic mm -hmm. that's just uh, one of the types of, of haptic technology which is uh, called tactile haptics another type is uh, kinesthetic uh, it's this one is mostly used uh, in robotics and there is this sort uh, type of haptic technology which is called other so here we have contactless haptics that's mm -hmm. where our textures uh, fits uh, yeah, so yeah so basically it's a new way to interact with interfaces with objects or am i right so is it like you basically go uh, and you can touch something in the mid air or how does it work? Actually? Yes, exactly. So imagine, uh, imagine you have a very special device mm. uh, that uh, produces um, a signal via ultra wave, uh, ultra wave. Mm -hmm. So those ultra waves, they are sending this many signals from many uh, so-called uh, speakers, mm -hmm. and then uh, those uh, waves are joining or it's at some uh, point and create a pressure and so you can feel this pressure when you put your hand above uh, this device so um, basically what we can do we can take a image uh, we can upload this image to our system or algorithm this algorithm would recreate or reconstruct uh, from this image of the object uh, a 3D object already, and uh, it can extract the the texture of this object. Imagine we can we can take a picture of um, vase, for instance, uh, some textured vase with some uh, decor with some stuff okay. on it, and then uh, take a picture of it, uh, upload it to the algorithm. Algorithm will recreate a 3D model of this object and extract the texture of the decor elements on this ways, for instance. Right. And then uh, this special device uh, called haptic device, ultra-leap device, uh, whatever you call it, uh, can emit the texture and the, the shape of this object so that when you put in your hand about the uh, device, you can feel this texture, you can feel those uh, elements or uh, decor elements of the vase in the midair. That's important to understand that you like you are moving your hand in in the air and you're feeling uh, the, wow. the the texture of the object. Uh, that already sounds something like 2030, uh, <laughs> not 2022 for sure. But basically, as I understand it, so basically you can uh, scan a surface or an object, a material. 
And uh, does it recreate a 2D model or 3D model? Or, uh... So in the end, uh, you like uh, recreating from t- 2D model, you are recreating a 3D model. I would say even 4D model because it has a texture. All right, it. got it. And then you can feel it in the air. So you, how does it feel? So if you, if you know, um, when you put the hand in the air, is it something like a vibration? Or is it something like a tickling uh, feeling? What is it like? So it depends. A, a, a push of the air. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It depends on the texture that you are trying to project. Uh, but uh, basically, in some cases, you can feel there's a pushes of the air, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, or uh, maybe some tickling, as you mentioned. Really, it really depends on what what experience you try to recreate. So is it like you can eventually simulate this kind of feelings? Yes. Di- different feelings, different, I believe, strength of that uh, or intensity of that waves. Yes, yes, exactly. So we can, we can uh, manipulate uh, those parameters, you know, to, to, uh, to make it uh, feel more uh, contrast. And so basically, <clears throat> in, the, in the end of the day, so basically you want to... Uh, get this technology commercialized to some point, or h- how do you how do you work with this technology at this particular moment? What what is it right now? All right, so maybe to give uh, our audience a bigger picture, let me uh, make a step back and uh, explain like where this uh, project came from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Um, some time ago, our partners, this a company called Ultraleap, uh, they specialized on haptic devices, uh, manufacturing of haptic devices, and um, a French research university called CNRS, that's a shortcut for a uh, beautiful French name, uh, Centre de Research uh, National, mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, uh, they research, they, they uh, created this technology, they invented this technology uh, a while ago, and they patented this technology. And then, like, they invited SoftServe uh, to help them to commercialize this technology. And so we won a um, grant from European Commission, uh, that's a grant under umbrella of Horizon 2020, and we got the funding uh, for commercialization effort for this technology. So maybe uh, we can give another definition for our audience, what is commercialization, what we mean uh, under this. So commercialization, that's a process of introducing a new product or service or a technology uh, into commerce. Very simple, right? And uh, making it available on the market. So basically what it means, we have a technology, we have like finding the way how to apply it. And then we make this product using this technology available on the market. And that's the scope of our activities around e-textures uh, in R&D currently. And uh, R&D is self-serve responsible for this part of commercializing this technology. Yeah, right. So uh, to sum up, so basically you have uh, CNRS and Ultraleap as your technological partners. You have SoftServe that helps to commercialize and uh, give it, uh, find the market, find the customer, find the first use cases, uh, pilot and pilot the project. And basically you are, as a product owner, envision how this product should navigate uh, within the commercialization, within the market, and you 
connect the dots between the technical provider uh, CNRS and Ultraleap and SoftServe, right? Yeah, exactly. That's a very good, very good summary uh, about what is uh, what is all about, right? And um, now, uh, if we want to talk about how exactly, like. We are doing this commercialization pass. What are the steps? What exactly uh, we need to do in order to uh, push the technology from uh, the lab or mm-hmm. technology lab into the market? Then uh, we can we can uh, talk about it a little bit more. And uh, this is a complex uh, process which contains many many phases and many steps so uh, in our case step number zero okay. was a lot of homework for us because SoftServe didn't in, didn't invent this technology we had to learn everything possible uh, everything we can find everything we can uh, understand about this technology first so what we did we learned all the research documentation all the papers all patent documentation, uh, all the demo videos. We did many um, knowledge sharing sessions with our partners. Uh, They uh, made a technology um, knowledge uh, transfer to to us. And so uh, then we went uh, into the step of uh, testing the technology. So First, we did the learning, then we uh, experienced it ourselves. And at some point, we realized, okay, now uh, we know what is that. Uh, We understand uh, limitations, capabilities, uh, opportunities uh, for these technologies. And uh, uh, then we can move forward with with the next step. And the next steps, in order to execute them, uh, we applied... uh, very special uh, R&D commercialization te- technology uh, that's called uh, Goldsmith's technology commercialization model. So this model was uh, invented uh, in 1999, uh, uh, so <laughs> more than 20 years ago, uh, but still it's uh, very applicable, very uh, valid. It gives all the steps that we need to do in order to uh, move the technology from patent stage into like a product, m- so product, product mm-hmm. yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Uh, product stage. So um, from patent to development and then uh, third phase is like g- growth phase when you already um, grow in your, your uh, product on the market. And you basically came uh, to SoftServe uh, at the very beginning, so stage number zero, or you were already involved in some kind of intermediate results that they had? Yeah, actually, uh, I joined uh, the the project, uh, I would say, in in the middle mm-hmm. of this uh, first stage of commercialization. Uh, but, you know, because I was new, uh, I had to do all this homework from, anyways, from the very beginning, just from, from scratch. I need to, need to do all the gap analysis to understand where we are, what, we, what do we have, uh, what we can reuse, what else we need to, to what gaps do we need to uh, fill in. So uh, basically, I repeated this uh, stage zero <laughs> uh, together with, with, uh, with 
the rest of the representatives. So I reran those uh, knowledge sharing sessions with our partners, and uh, we did a lot of uh, uh, sessions internally just for knowledge sharing. That's the point where you and I actually started to interact uh, with uh, with each other, right? Right. Uh, Uh, was it the first time that you worked with haptic technologies and uh, did your previous experience, technological experience, help you understand it better or like already map yourself some kind of brain map? Okay, it could be moved into some specific industry, specific use cases. So how, how did it work for you? Your previous experience, did it help or is, was it a completely novel field for you? So when it comes to haptics, uh, uh, to be honest, uh, contactless or mid-air haptics was a completely new thing for me. But when it comes to just a haptics tactile, uh, for instance, uh, so I interacted with uh, on a daily basis, uh, thanks to cell phones, uh, tablets, etc. <laughs> uh, but when it comes to you know whether my previous background uh, helped me to to understand what to do i would say definitely yes because uh, uh, in my previous companies i participated in a projects where we did the things from scratch and it helps you you know to understand all the steps that you need to do in order to the, reach the point when you can launch the real product to the market uh, so the, those steps uh, includes like building the use case or business case uh, whatever you call it uh, vision roadmap how to achieve those things so i would say uh, definitely it was helpful but uh, <laughs> fun uh, fact about uh, about me so um, I was hired to soft serve one month uh, before I actually joined the the team and uh, I knew uh, what would be the project in which which I will be driving so starting uh, from that point I already <laughs> you know started imagining okay what we can do with the technology I started to uh, started this self brainstorm uh, how we can apply it so when I uh, came uh, Um, like day one to soft serve, um, I already had the list of ideas. And then uh, after one week at uh, soft serve, I already uh, presented uh, some uh, some ideas to our partners uh, with those uh, different use cases. Uh, so this <laughs> so you joined the project like very fast, very furious. So you just get into the partners. Okay, so this is my vision. This is the way we can develop it. You brought the ideas to the table and I believe that you found quite a lot of support. So your uh, your goal as the product owner is also not only develop the product itself, but align, let's say, stakeholders, the partners to the, I believe, unified vision of how it should be developed, right? Yeah. Um, so do you feel like being a product owner of an innovative product is different from something like being a product owner of let's say a kind of some kind of cms system or some kind of like a common technology that is already on the market is it different from the standpoint that you have a completely uh empty space or like even not emerged market so you basically are build building all from scratch how does it feel for you Uh, super exciting, you know. <laughs> That's uh, extremely, extremely exciting uh, to understand that it was uh, one of main reasons why I decided uh, to join uh, R&D because uh, it provides like much. Uh, 
more opportunities and much bigger field, you know, for uh, self-realization uh, as a product manager uh, and uh, as a professional in general. Uh, because uh, when you're in R&D, that's emerging technology, you're like on a completely uh, blank uh, page. Right. <laughs> you have nothing, you have no idea, like, uh, what is all about? What is the market? Who, who might be the users? What is the target audience? What might be the application of this technology? That's all the things that you need to go and figure out. Exactly. I actually still have this feeling every single day. So every single day when I wake up, go to my laptop, uh, to switch it on and start talking to people around R&D. Basically, it's every single time something pretty new for myself. And I am as a marketer, I'm I'm talking and I'm coordinating with many stakeholders who are driving different projects. So I am uh, I'm just one of the projects is basically e-textures and uh, haptic technologies for myself. And I was absolutely amazed when I first got to feel the the feeling itself of this mid-air sensation. So you just put the hand in the air and you feel something. And it's something that changes in the air and f- like switches intensity so on. So it's pretty much very, very, very strange feeling, to be honest, but something <laughs> truly futuristic. And uh, I believe in your work, your everyday life, you the more you get into the technical space, um, uh, technical details, how it works, and the more you know about different domains like uh, extended reality, metaverse, uh, I don't know, all the UX experience that these technologies bring, I think it enriches your vision as a product owner, how it can be moved forward, where it can be, uh, where it can be implemented. All right, so let's have a step back. Let's jump into the what are eventually the use cases um, that you developed as a product owner for this particular technology. So imagine mid-air texture in the air, where can it be used? Oh, uh, there are so many applications of of the thing as, as, we, as we understood. But uh, for instance, um, the use cases that we defined uh, are in three different uh, in three different industries, but we had m- much much more. Uh, we just filtered out some of them uh, for now. So, for instance, you can use it uh, in retail, in retail to maybe convey some some additional message to your uh, audience or add another layer of uh, sensations uh, okay. or in ex- shopping experience i mean imagine you're entering the the uh, the store of some luxury brand and there is some strange frame uh, on the wall on, on not on the wall but uh, frame uh, through which you can go through okay so it, it it, it can be everywhere. So it can be everywhere. So exactly. it's not only like a, a device on the table. You you can you can manipulate it with the different uh, dimensions and so on. Yes, you can you can join those uh, haptic arrays uh, into uh, mul- like multiple, uh, or you can cr- create uh, any type of surface of, uh, with it mm-hmm. uh, of any size uh, and of almost a- a- any shape and. Um, just imagine it. You can put it on the table as a as a device, and so uh, you can uh, project some interesting sensations while showing some interesting picture on the on the screen about the product. And the person can experience, can feel interesting sensation 
feel this interesting experience about the product that you won't be able to uh, provide otherwise. So it's pretty much a wow effect for everyone who's getting to the store, to the venue. Uh, because I, be- I I never heard any store uh, like that were doing something sen- sensational, I mean tactile. Uh, I definitely know that there are many use cases where uh, you have uh, the whole rooms that are built out of the screens or like yeah. you have the audio experience that yeah. you have a very spatial sound around yourself. I've never heard it about tactile experience. Uh, is, is it something like uh, that can be combined with visual, with audio, with spatial your being in the room and it is something that enriches this experience, yes, right? Yes, uh, definitely. It uh, augments uh, the 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 rest of the experiences, and this is where uh, haptics or textures works the best in combination with other technologies. Let me maybe uh, finish this example with a haptic frame. So imagine there is a haptic frame, something like you you going through in on airport, but just a little bit bigger, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this uh, frame is. Uh, built from these uh, arrays. And uh, on the walls you have uh, like uh, interactive uh, picture of, I don't know, Arctic wind, because the store about maybe uh, some parka um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, suits or something, yes, sir. Uh, some clothing. Uh, and you are entering uh, the store and uh, on the walls you can see this uh, picture already, this atmosphere already created. And then you're moving through this uh, haptic uh, frame and you feel uh, the the snow that like bombing your face. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, okay, okay. It's it's so weird already. I'll try, I'm trying to imagine it myself. Is it? So how does how would it feel? It's like uh, the breeze of the air that comes yes, to your like, soul. Yes, like uh, so some particles of snow that are touching your face, oh exactly as you were on the uh, some uh, northern pole or in Antarctica somewhere. I'm, <laughs> no? I'm dreaming about summer. Let's let's talk <laughs> not about snow anymore. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But that's that's fascinating because um, I think it definitely can be combined with audio, with visual, with something, and um, just because I believe. Uh, venues, retail as as the industry and luxury and boutiques as particular as the segment, they are very. I believe they are very focused on this exceptional experience for anyone who is coming to the store. They are focused on something very memorable that makes a long-lasting experience, and pretty much it describes uh, like with this frame, with this uh, experience coming to the store. It describes. A very, very exceptional experience. Exactly. So uh, now all retail brands, what they want, they want to provide some personalized, customized uh, services and products. And um, because of uh, like restrictions that we have uh, recent years, uh, the competition between the luxury brands or retail brands uh, even uh, grow, right? So... Uh, they need to find the way how to attract um, more customers and uh, differentiate on the market because yes. basically you have very sometimes you have very similar brands but is the user experience being uh, communicating and interacting with these brands are the similar if i believe one of the top notch brands uh, um, uh, takes and uses this kind of technology in their stores or i don't know mm-hmm. even remotely somehow i think it's already a 
big 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 upvote for this brand exactly and that's uh, that's our bet so we expect that this experience would help uh, the retail brands to differentiate and to find a new new way to attract customers impress them and uh, build long lasting relationships with them okay okay got it Um, so you mentioned that was one of the use cases, one of the industries that benefit from this technology. What are the others? So, uh, for instance, uh, museums and uh, some uh, interact uh, installations, art galleries, etc. Again, with this uh, example with uh, Arctic Frame or something. So again, you can build very interesting installation uh, that would impress uh, impress visitors. Or, for instance, you can allow uh, visitors to touch the untouchable things. Can you imagine that? For instance, you can touch the skin of dinosaur, or you can touch the the fur of mammoths. Uh, because our technology enables this. Uh, we can recreate this texture of uh, dinosaur skin. Of course, no one knows how, how should it feel, but uh, we can um, you know, create some type of sensation that in combination with visual effect would create this coherent um, experience for, for the visitors so that they would believe that, okay, we are touching the skin of dinosaur. That's super, super exciting and strange at the same time. Uh, for me, it's still like fantastic that <clears throat> basically you can do both like a smooth uh, surface or like some uh, scratchy surface, whatever. Because for me, I even cannot imagine how technologi technologically advanced should the technology be to produce this kind of tiny changes in the in the sensations but um, okay well pretty pretty exciting so you mentioned museums exhibitions and installations um, what else so we also target uh, healthcare so we believe this technology would uh, help uh, patients uh, with different um, disease and disorders uh, to uh, recover faster. For for instance, um, there are two directions here. One related to rehabilitations. Uh, that's um, for people who lost the um, sense of uh, m movements of of the, the uh, arms or fingers. Mm -hmm. Uh, so here we can apply some type of ref reflexive therapy. Uh, another type is uh, to assist um, people with some um, post-traumatic disorder, disorders, uh, phobias, uh, maybe autistic disorders, uh, food processing and other sensation-related uh, sensation disorders. Why? Because we can uh, show the object, uh, we can uh, recreate the texture of this object. Uh, for instance, someone has uh, agoraphobia, yeah? <laughs> just okay. uh, or someone afraid of spiders. Okay. And uh, in order to help such patients to recover and start uh, stop uh, uh, being afraid of uh, these uh, nice animals, uh, they can uh, go through um, 
cognitive behavioral therapy that will be supported uh, by uh, e-texture solutions. Uh, and so uh, the doctor can um, help the patient to desensitize um, this phobia. That means that you, like, giving the gradual exposure to the object uh, that the person afraid of. So first time you can just show the spider uh, on the screen. Next time you can show the patient the, the spider which is moving. The, the third se session you can allow uh, the patient to digitally touch the uh, spider. Oh my God. Because it's totally safe. It's just digital. You don't have to be afraid of it. It's uh, in safe environment under control of the uh, doctor. It's all good. No worries. And so the person will just uh, be resistant uh, to like spider phobia next time when he will see the spider in real life. That's of course simplified explanation, but this is how we see the application of uh, the textures in in this case. While you were talking about this, I got chills because <laughs> I imagine myself uh, getting through this therapy. I have a, pho a specific phobia for jellyfish. I cannot stand them at all. Like in even in the smallest jellyfish can get me a panic, and I cannot even imagine even touching the digital texture of this jellyfish because ah. Some, some kind of, not, not a very pleasant experience for, for me, myself. But, okay, so this is exciting. So basically you got into the healthcare field as well. Uh, isn't it a very regulated field? Or how do you position it this way that uh, you are, like, uh, should you get FDA approvals? Or should you, or are you positioning it as an uh, assistive device that helps? Or how, how does it work in healthcare specifically? Yeah, so with healthcare, that's tricky, you are right, but uh, we are positioning this solution as an assistive device, not a medical device, because uh, as we discuss here, right, so we can apply the same device, the same technology in just uh, so many different, uh, different cases. So that's a, a thing, that's a device that might uh, help or complement uh, the uh, therapeutic uh, experience. Plus, the patients can, uh, you know, uh, take it home and e exercise at home uh, because we have many parameters. We can regulate the intensity of the uh, sensation. We can regulate what exactly we want to see and feel and how exactly, how intense it should be. So there are a lot of things that a patient can do at home. And so uh, this thing can speed up the, the uh, recovery process. But um, that's a big question uh, whether uh, FDA, that's a... Uh, uh, like organ in in the US which mm. approves uh, the usage of uh, uh, drugs yeah, uh, food and yes, drug administration yeah, yes mm -hmm. yes uh, drugs and medical devices mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. so we would position it as a just a assistive device not a medical device and uh, we believe that we will be able to avoid uh, FDA approval process but uh, first to you know, to answer this uh, question 100%, uh, we would run uh, studies that uh, would help us to understand uh, whether this approval would be required or not. Okay, okay, got it. Um, you mentioned that previously, before you described the use cases, you mentioned that you are going through some kind of process of uh, of filtering out. So how does it work? You select different use cases, you select different industries, and then how do you 
verify, how do you validate which industries are eventually those you should definitely focus on? Yep. So uh, maybe let me let me go back to our Goldsmith Technology commercialization model. And according to this uh, model, uh, we have two very important steps that needs to be done uh, first. One of them is uh, market needs assessment and second is a market study. So that's basically the ground uh, on which we will be building the um, the use cases. So these two phases uh, included extensive uh, market research. So first of all, we needed uh, to do a very in-depth uh, research uh, of the market needs, like uh, what's going on in the market right now? What are the trends? Uh, what is the need? What people are searching for? Who are the competitors? Uh, what are their profiles? What are their uh, like uh, differentiators? What are their uh, strengths? Um, what are the opportunities uh, for us on this market? And based on this market research, uh, which we did in, in very, very uh, detailed way, we already understood in what industries uh, there is a need uh, for some solutions. Uh, and uh, also we, we've seen where we have opportunities because if some industry or area is very mature and uh, there are too many uh, competitors, matured competitors, it will be really hard to enter this market with, uh, you know, uh, emerging technology. So based on this market research, uh, we were already uh, able to say, uh, okay, and this in these industries, we need to uh, skip or deprioritize for now. And on these five or six or seven industries, we can see uh, the, the opportunities for us. And then um, knowing those industries, uh, knowing what is the need uh, in those industries, we started to brainstorm uh, the use cases. So basically we had a long list of industries that we researched and then um, we tried to generate, uh, brainstorm the, the use cases for each of them. We involved many different people for that, uh, to be honest. So we involved our partners, we involved uh, salespeople, business people, researchers, product managers uh, from different uh, areas, uh, uh, some uh, people from those industries, some representatives from those industries. So we generated like a long list of use cases and then uh, we went through multiple uh, cycles, uh, you know, to, to prioritize those use cases. Um, some of them were like, uh, again, filtered out or postponed uh because uh, we realized that there probably won't be that much traction with those use cases um then uh, we did another round with the industry experts mm -hmm. i think that's one of the most crucial steps uh, exactly in order to you know shortlist the use cases uh, with the most of uh, commercialization potential and you have to validate your initial research that you do, did in the market i may know that it is a marketer because i can <laughs> i can think of many things i can hi make hypotheses about whether it will work or not but 
unless unless you talk to real people in the field, I believe uh, almost all research is just uh, guessing out on, and putting it out of nowhere. Yes, that's absolutely true uh, about about our story. And uh, we involved industry experts. Um, we ran interviews with them. We just presented them uh, like value proposition for for the industry given. Uh, presented our story, how we understand we can apply uh, this thing, and then they helped us, you know, to understand that we are on the right track. And uh, this is how we shortlisted the top use cases. So. The main point here is not go only with not to go only with one use case, but with multiple. Because uh, what uh, we think about uh, the success of the use case might be uh, not the case in real life. So we need to uh, validate it again on the market, and that's when uh, the most funny part. Uh, <laughs> started right exactly exactly yeah so um we pre-validated those uh, top three use cases um with the industry experts and then uh, we decided to to go into next uh, next phase according to the methodology that i mentioned uh which is market validation uh to do a market validation uh we uh, need to do a build we need to build a landing page that would uh, explain precisely the value proposition our story benefits uh, of of this technology for the, uh, the industry given mm -hmm. um, all the details how it should work uh, etc and that's what we built remember <laughs> so this was a crazy times i remember we we involved so many different people into this process illustrators 3d exactly. graphics uh, marketing people copywriters ux designers and many many other people who helped us to to uh, finalize uh, the vision and the, the uh, for those landing uh, landing pages and uh, yeah sometimes sometimes you feel like there are too many people on board oh god, oh god because you basically have so many opinions about how it should be moved how the how the words should be changed on the landing pages what should you put there what should you not <clears throat> and you have so many discussions and brainstorming with different departments because they have all different opinions all different angle of use even on, on the same topic but eventually yes i was quite involved in the building landing page and launching the marketing there uh, i truly remember those times quite busy times to be honest but uh, all good and i think we aligned it quite well uh, so yes we did this, all those three use cases that um, we mentioned before so for healthcare for therapies for uh, exhibitions and for retail for boutiques uh, there was a landing page that uh, outlined all the visual and all the idea of the project, idea of the technology. Um, and definitely talking to those industry experts helped us to gain insights. What are the challenges that they have? What are they looking to, to enrich in their process, in their, I don't know, professional life? How do they want their customers to feel uh, with novel technology, especially the ones that you're describing? So something that you can touch in the air something something futuristic um yeah and uh, busy times for sure business time 
Ja, das war uh, super fun. Um, you know, one night before the lunch day, like yeah. we were sitting and uh, finalizing those things because, uh, to be honest, all uh, like little details uh, matter. So the, the boarding, the, the messaging, the illustrations or the images or any other assets that would support your storytelling, everything is super important in order to, uh, to make it right. And the night before <laughs> the lunch day, because we really wanted to launch all the three uh, landing pages uh, simultaneously uh, to 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 get you know the the. Um, uh, good, yeah, good possibility to compare the performance of each of the landing yes, pages, yes. right? So we were super, like, <laughs> super exciting, um, and um, then the button was pushed, they were launched, and then a lot of um, things happens. Uh, things happens, yeah, a lot of expectations, uh, sitting in this uh, suspension and waiting. Okay. What 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 gonna what gonna happen next, right? <laughs> right, it was an American roller coaster, not not less. Uh, we got a digital marketing campaign in LinkedIn. We did uh, targeting for specific uh, audience, uh, and this audience were specific to each of the industries. So we had the job titles, we had uh, companies that they are working on in, and we had very specific laser uh, messages that we put down specifically to help them understand the idea of the technology better and to address their challenges in their industries. So for, let's say, for retail, for boutiques, we had um, uh, ads that were referring to this enriched experience for their customers in their venues. Uh, for therapies, we had a different approach where we uh, showed therapists how they can treat people better with this specific new device that we uh, that we allow to bring to their therapy uh, sessions, and so on. So basically, and we tried different formats. We had uh, ads in the general LinkedIn news feed. We got conversation ads that worked pretty well. That we got uh, so conversation ad for those who didn't don't know. This is the type of uh, an ad that. Um, that brings you a dialogue through uh, with the potential prospect. So when you're on LinkedIn, you get this message from uh, a person, and then you talk to this person as at the chatbot. This is how the ads works there, um, and it depends because most of us are quite uh, tired of all kinds of advertisement. And this was a different case because every single time uh, people get the notifi notification about some futuristic technology, I observed so many engagement and so many feedback about it. So we got quite a lot of traffic to the landing pages just through conversation ads as well. And I believe you Remember those times when you got our first uh, request for the demo, right? Oh my God, this was epic! You know, uh, I remember how I was excited. I was, you know, at that moment when you dropped me a message on uh, our communicator that oh, we got a first lead. And when I checked what was the lead, I was, you know... Yeah, it's pretty high quality lead, yes. It was the guy from France who and guy from a very renowned company, one of the uh, top tier fashion brands, I believe it's, it's something that definitely makes sense to talk to. Yeah, definitely. I can only dream about more, you know... Uh, 
One of the leads that uh, you brought uh, actually was uh, from our target audience that what uh, what exactly that's what we expected that's the the lead we wanted that's the brand name that we wanted to see <laughs> actually and when i when you se- send me the uh, screenshot of his message of the message of that guy uh, innovative director i guess yes, yeah. uh, from that brand I was, you know, I was already in the space. Uh. Yeah, yeah, it was super exciting. I got the moment when I got it to the, through the contact form. I was also like super excited because I believe it was something like uh, the second week of of the digital marketing campaign. Uh, we didn't get much of qualified leads before that, but as soon as we got this guy, we understood. Yeah, we are on the right track. We got this kind of traction from the target audience that we decided to to address it to. Um, How did it influence your validation from that point? Because I believe it's a huge milestone for you as a product owner. As soon as a marketing department brings you a real deals and requests for demos, I think it's already a whole new level that you can work on, right? Yeah, definitely. And uh, again, it's uh, one more very um, profound uh, step in this flow, right? Uh, So first of all, our hypotheses were confirmed. So our messaging, our value proposition worked out. That's already a lot. It means that uh, we did the right job. Uh, our market research were backed uh, with uh, support from industry experts. Uh, and then again, uh, since we got the traction interest from um, uh, the brands that we were targeting, then that all means that we did the our job right. So the next, the next step. Uh, so with market validation parallel, we of course did uh, another important uh, step. We will discuss maybe next. But when it comes to a point where you get in the lead, next thing that you need to do is to engage uh, those uh, guys. You know, Correct. To the yeah. Discussion. That's the main, <laughs> the most important point. So you got it through marketing, but how to keep the attention, how to keep it running, right from this moment. How do? What is your best practices? What do you? What? You, what do you do to make it actually happen? To the demo, to the to the final. Yeah. So. Um, uh, Thanks to you guys, marketing guys, and uh, all our team, uh, we uh, got very good contact uh, with that brand, and uh, they wanted uh, to talk to us immediately. So um, I, I had little time to, to to prepare for the discussion, and I had to drive that discussion with uh, with that brand. I was super excited because I'm a customer of the brand. Uh, I love that brand, and can you imagine? You know all those things. It's happening in in reality. It's not uh, on TV. It's not with someone, but it happens to me. So I'm a part of it, and uh, I did a lot of prep works um, here again. I prepared a script of a talk, of course, presentation. That's all. Uh, that's all clear. But uh, I also did some weird things because uh, product managers is also about different weird things right. <laughs> that we do. We all are. We all are. Yeah, yes. we all are. Yeah, product team. That's <laughs> marketing uh, team who is pushing down all, all the all the ads that are like just take our product. It's so so out of the space, right? Yes. Yeah, true. So what I did, I like uh, I dressed up uh, according to the style of that brand. Um, I did. Uh, I took uh, uh, fragrance of that brand because our like 
use case or experience was about the fragrances uh, in that case. So um, I was prepared. Uh, you know how hard it is to uh, recreate this uh, atmosphere, you know. How uh, to convey the, uh, the yeah, How the to feeling. convey the, the, the feeling, the message uh, when you're doing this uh, online via Zoom. Yeah, that's, Post-COVID times. Yeah, but that's, uh, that was a challenge, but um, I did my best. <laughs> so um, uh, there was a fun story about that. Uh, so I was delivering the presentation. I was explaining the, the uh, experience proposal uh, with uh, e-textures. And uh, it was so strange when I started to uh, spread in the, the fragrance. <laughs> In front of a laptop camera. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, just to explain, you know, to convey this message, uh, what it's all about. And um, it was weird, but I think it helped us to uh, demonstrate the the prospect that we understand what they are looking for. We we can put ourselves in in their shoes and we can uh, deliver... um, uh, what they, what they need in order to attract uh, their customers, you know. So it was a strange experience. I, I <laughs> like that. I like that. I mean, for me, it sounds super cool because uh, for me, all the meetings and all the sales are going through a very classical stage where you have a very formal kind of discussions. This is something new. This is engaging because, and I, as I remember the guy who you were talking to and the, uh, his team were in the innovation space. So they yes. are much more out of the, uh, thinking out of the box. So they are more, I don't, I can, if I can say informal guys, so they are more open to different angles of use and so on. So I think it always works. If you show some appreciation to the brand, if you show some uh, way that you like it and you you want to connect with them, why not? I think it works well. And and I believe it worked well, right? Yeah, it did. Uh, indeed. So uh, I feel myself like a influencer on Instagram. Well, I know. I feel like <laughs> from product owner to influencer, yeah, why like not? Product placement, spreading the, the fragrance of this brand in front of camera, explaining how the haptics can help to, to make this experience uh, even uh, cooler and really wow, wow, wow for for their customers. I think we definitely should pitch this idea to marketing that we should establish an influencer department here in SoftServe. <laughs> we already have an influencer brand lead. So come on, let's start it. All right. So, okay. So um, let's let's get back to something more serious. So right now, where is it right now? What is the, uh, where are you at the point with this specific prospect? Do you have um, some other uh people to talk to and what are you planning to develop it from this from this point on all right so with the, this current prospect uh we are trying like uh, on a way to enter a pilot uh, phase so currently we uh, sign it off with some uh, nda and uh, we are planning on site uh demo to them where we will pitch the technology and um uh, collaboration uh, strategies with them and then we hope that uh, it will happen soon uh, this year uh, this experience should be live and available at that brand which we 
can't name for, for sure. For, NDA, for, for, for now, we definitely yeah, well, your NDAs. Yeah, but at some point, uh, you you will hear about it. Truly, truly hope it will be a large success story there. So we discussed the three uh, main uh, steps uh, on commercialization pass. We talked about um, needs assessments. Uh, we talked about uh, market study, and we talked about market validation. Mm -hmm. uh, the last phase uh, is venture assessment. So that's the point where we need to analyze how else we can commercialize these technologies. Just a diff some other ways for com technology commercialization. So where is the money, for sure? Yes. Not only while building the specific solution uh, that was in, uh, in uh, use case proposals, but also... Uh, we have other means to commercialize it. For instance, via licensing or via building the partnerships or joint venture with uh, with some partners, right? So that was a big phase uh, where we needed to analyze all those opportunities. If we want to go licensing, so what we need to do, uh, like what what the level of revenue we can expect in the future. So we needed to uh, analyze all the potential licensee or the companies who would be willing to apply this technology in their product. Plus, uh, we needed to understand like whether it was to enter different types of partnerships like joint venture. When you combine your uh, assets, uh, knowledge, capital, building a separate uh, company that will be um, commercializing this technology. So uh, that was a big part, uh, financial, serious part, yeah, when we needed to understand uh, who might be potential partners and whether it was to, to go that direction. So that was a part of the story. And then another part was to understand what are the different uh, business models we can apply in order to monetize uh, the technology. Right. Why we were doing so many, uh, these different analysis, these different researches and, and stuff. Uh, point number one, uh, we selected multiple um uh, use cases because if one fails, we can switch to another one. Plus, we had the uh, long list of other uh, use cases that we can market validate. And if we see the traction, we can go there. So uh, we are not killing the technology uh, if uh, technology commercialization, if one use case fails. We always have some backup. Mm -hmm. Same goes to... Um, business partnerships or other ways for technology commercialization. We are investigating different ways just to see where we can get more um, benefits. Plus, if one thing fails, we can switch to another one. So that's that's the main reason why we did so. And here, uh, of course, we uh, did a lot of uh, financial uh, modeling uh, just to see the level of magnitude, if I can say that way, uh, for revenue that we can get from different types of uh, business models, from different types of partnerships. <laughs> here again, a fun uh, far fact about me, like uh, um, it's weird, but I'm a 
person with a double economical master's degrees. Okay. And I, I was burning my brain uh, to, to, to ashes. Right? I mean, to, to, to recall the balance sheet stuff, the financial statement stuff, you know, right. in order to build the uh, business, uh, this financial models and to see how we would perform financially. Because we needed to get the base for comparison and to see this uh, level of magnitude. And so by, by the end uh, of the market uh, validation phase, we already got those results and uh, entering the discussions with a potential prospect, uh, we already knew what would be the collaboration, uh, what might be a collaboration model, what uh, business model, model we can apply, uh, how we want to do it, what is the vision, what can be the roadmap. So we were fully prepared for the next phases uh, of uh, commercialization process. Yeah, I think that validation is couldn't be could couldn't uh, omit this part of financial modeling anyway any kind of product any kind of service has to have some foundation behind it so understand where it comes from where, where the money comes from how it can be sustained how it can be scaled uh, and how the user acquisition uh, can be scaled with the respective business model yeah all exactly. right so pretty cool pretty cool let's let's pretty much start wrapping it up um Let's do it this way. What would you say, what is it to be an innovation product owner? And what should someone who wants to be in this role start learning right now? So what would you, what, what is your best advice for someone who wants to get into innovations as a product owner? Well, you know, product managers, uh, especially in this innovative industry, that's a cross-disciplinary uh, field. It lies on uh, the intersection of business, tech, user experience, marketing, sales and business development, psychology, leadership, communication, and many, many other skills. So, so start learning everything, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that, that's why I love, I'm in love uh, with with this profession. So I think what is absolutely necessary is to love uh, to tech, system thinking or big picture thinking mm -hmm. and uh, good intuition. And uh, plus, PMs sometimes need to do uh, weird things like spread the perfumes in front of camera or be a little bit an Instagram blogger Fair or <laughs> a, a secret buyer who is calling to the uh, competitors <laughs> to, to get some insights or pricing details, <laughs> things right. like that. So uh, that's, this is a job for creative minds who are really uh, in tech. So strategic thinking is definitely something to start from. Yep. Uh, I think strategic, strategic thinking is one quite a big skill uh, as it is. So if, if I say that uh, I'm a project manager or I am um, uh, someone who wants to grow more into the product, uh, how do I start um, looking at this world into a more like macro, macro scale? So how do, how do you start strategically thinking about this. So you are not developing technical uh, like features, you are not 
focusing on road mapping, but how do you start scaling it to the industries to understand where it can be used or not? So what what helps you? And what maybe something from your background? Uh, yeah, I think uh, for, from one side, it's a background because I used to work in multiple industries. And even uh, if I'm not uh, implementing like solutions uh, for, for those specific industries, all that knowledge helped me because I knew, okay, here we can, uh, in this industry, we can do this, in this industry, we can do that. So the background uh, really helped. But for, for people who cannot work uh, in many dis- different uh, disciplines or industries, I would suggest to maybe to read a lot about those industries. What's going on uh, in that industries? Uh, what are the success stories from other product managers or who achieved the success in, in that industry? What exactly they did? Because the world of technology is uh, really uh, cross-discipline, right? So Normally, we are using multiple technologies uh, to deliver the specific experience or solution, right? So it's not uh, only about one uh, one specific. We always need to combine. So the curiosity would drive you to the right direction. So just read more about those things, what's going on uh, in those different fields. And then um, when you will see, like... Uh, what's going on in different industry, you will be able to see common things. And then uh, building a solution for a specific, uh, maybe specific industry, uh, you will be able to reuse your knowledge from uh, other industries and expand the solution to many other uh, other directions. So basically you're connecting dots very mo- much more easier. Uh, yeah, that's about the bridging the gap, yes. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. All right, so what would you say, uh, one of the last questions, so what would you say would this technology um, go into the future. So where do you see uh, human-computer interaction in terms of haptic technologies, in terms of uh, tactile sensations? Where does it go? Okay. So that's a very good one, by the way. Um, So as a matter of fact, uh, the place uh, where potentially human interactions will happen in the upcoming future is uh, metaverse. Right. We understand that the metaverse um, is a common space, yeah, where many people will be able to interact in a live mode. Uh, for the full immersion into this virtual space, you need to uh, involve all human senses, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just to to feel it like real. So um, those. Uh, Key uh, components is a visual, audio, and tactile sensations. Of course, the, the sense of smell uh, and taste are also important, uh, but uh, that's a secondary, I think. We will definitely start with these three ones. So uh, we already have some beginnings of the metaverse um, um, field where we, ha- we have visual and audio things uh, combined. And... E-textures will be this third missing element in order to approach this um, virtual reality or those spaces uh, uh, closer to to, to, to reality, right? Right. The real uh, life. So synergy. Synergy is the key. Yes. Synergy is the key and uh, e-textures will help to uh, create this 
common comprehensive uh, cognitive experience for uh, for people. Sounds perfect, and I think very futuristic. Twenty thirty for sure, at least, even if it's not twenty forty. Yes, that's a motto. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, thank you, thank you for sharing these insights. I think it was. Uh, quite dive deep into the technology of haptics, of tactile, and where it all goes to. Uh, thank you for everyone who listened to us today. We have to wrap up for now. Uh, please listen to other podcasts from uh, People Tech and Weirdness on SoftServe podcasts. And I wish you all a great rest of the week, great rest of the month, and stay safe, stay healthy. And stay tuned. And stay tuned for sure. <laughs> See you guys. Thank you. Thank bye you very much. Bye. Nice. bye.